Welcome into the Clap Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. All right, so we are back again for another episode of the Claptrap here. I got Matt back with me. We're actually kind of doing this uh, not in studio today. We're doing it on location. No, that's not the way to describe it. They, we're just doing it at my place. Um, so if you can hear that it doesn't sound as great quality, that's the reason why. Not that, that matters. But uh, the takes will still be as trashy as well uh, when we get through this stuff here. But, um, you know, got Matt back in. How you doing, Matt? Dude, I'm, I'm comfortable. This comfortable. Is, and it's uh, nicer than the studio. Yeah. I don't apologize for nothing. <laughs> it's a good setup. Uh, sitting on the couch instead, just kind of talking away here. And more relaxed vibes for it. Um, but we're still going to be able to get into everything that we want to talk about today. I want to talk about the Red Sox and how they've been doing so far. You know how I've been talking about them lately. Uh, it hasn't been doing good. They haven't been doing good, I should say. Uh, we have the Patriots, obviously, with a lot of different things going on. Maybe a little bit of controversy, especially in this room, uh, about some. Yeah, you can. Matt's ready to go. He's he's uh, he's got his hands washing, and uh, you know it's we got Cam Newton situations. We've got um, some questions from our number one fan. And uh, you know, you. Some, some, some good stuff to talk about there. And uh, we are also going to talk about some Celtic stuff because there has been some updated situations and things that I just haven't gotten to talk to with Matt about the Celtics as well. So starting off, we are going to go with uh, the Red Sox here. Um, and just as we did it before with uh, Matt and I having this conversation, it is recorded on Thursday. So this is yesterday here. I know that you're hearing it today on Friday uh, but we are recording as of Thursday night, and the Red Sox are currently playing against the Twins, who they just lost to last night in a horrible game where you ended up battling back from being down 4 nothing, uh, and, and you got back into that game, and then you end up blowing it with this new Robles guy that we talked about, or we've talked about how the Red Sox didn't really go after any pitchers, right? And they got Kyle Schwarber. Woo, he hit a home run. That was awesome. So that's great and all, but at the same time, what was the thing that let us down is the pitching staff. So I don't know if you you were into this game the whole time through yesterday, or if you saw that one. But yeah, I mean, I I couldn't believe that they're, they're losing in just the most fun, like historic types it's, of fashions right it's now. It's crazy. I mean, you come back what four one, tied up four to four. Yep, and put up a five piece in the tenth inning. In the tenth inning. That's yeah. I mean, they're. I don't know. I I'm hopeful they'll make the wild card. Maybe they'll try and make some noise. Right. I mean, it's. They're just, it's, I'm starting to get a little, little ticked off with this team. It's, I mean, yeah, like, I, I feel like I've said this multiple times this season already, but it's like they snatched defeat from the clutches of victory kind of thing. That's <laughs> yeah. what it feels like with this team, where it's like you ha you battle back into a situation, or like the other night uh, when they were, when they ended up, um, uh, losing or, or get almost losing basically to the, the twins when they were up, I think nine to three. Were they nine nine to three in that game the other night against the twins? Uh, let me see. I'm just checking back real quickly here. Yeah, nine to three in that game going in uh, to the sixth inning. They ended up giving up five total runs over the next two innings there. And if it wasn't for a late Kike Hernandez home run, they would have lost that game to the twins the other night as well. And the twins are not a good team. We're talking about fifty four and seventy one. Uh, and and kind of like a bottom of the barrel type of team here that the Red Sox should be beating up on a team that is I think like the fourth worst team in the league, and you're almost losing to this team or or you are losing to this team 
Uh, right now, you're up four to nothing. Currently, it's the fifth inning, top of the fifth. So you're up four nothing in this game. But these are game; these are crucial games right now in a season where you, you had first place, and now you're you're sitting there looking up. This team two three months ago would mop like this type of schedule, but they're just they're they're pacing through it right now. You know, playing 500 ball. That's what mm-hmm. it feels like at least. Yeah, because they're not really taking advantage of these these crummy teams like the Twins. I mean, it's. Hey, today's sale day, so yeah, you right. can understand. I mean, but what's the bullpen going to do? You don't even know. He could leave the game after six innings, go pitch and scoreless. Guy pitched an immaculate inning already today, which is, Love I mean, that. what's the last time I saw that at Fenway? I think Pedro did it at the All-Star game. Yep, that was... But, uh, I mean, but that's that's their only that's anchor right. right now. So if they might back into the playoffs, you just can't expect them to do anything. It's just And it's, it's frustrating because... We deserve more as fans. We do. Uh, well, it, it seems like all you needed to do was put in a very small effort. I know I've you know, complained about it enough already about this, but it's like all you needed to do was go out there and try and put in a little bit of effort, go get one pitcher. It could have even been in the bullpen. I probably would have complained a little bit less other than this Robles guy who just gave up the five runs in the ending last night. He's not it. Uh, and 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 now we're sitting in a position where we're three games back of Yan- of the Yankees. We're seven and a half games back of the Rays right now. We're just barely hanging on to the second wild card position. And like you said, maybe we can do something in that game because we have Chris Sale, right? Yep. And, I mean, and you'll be playing in Yankee Stadium, presumably. That's yeah. going to be. I mean, what they've torn off what eight, nine, ten, eleven wins. It's eleven wins. Yeah, they're 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 playing all right. I, I think mean, eleven. So wins. good luck to, in Yankee Stadium against them in uh, in the wild card game. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, what what are we supposed to do? in that situation I guess when you got Chris Sale for one game that's great but as soon as you get into further than that do we trust anyone how could you yeah, the bull, I mean the, the bullpen Matt Matt Barnes inks this huge well not huge oh. I mean it was a very you know but he's supposed to be the extension guy for right. him and then you know the whole sticky stuff that all all that controversy oh, no. came oh, out no, no, and no. he's been pitching like absolute garbage yes he has he's been uh, trash lately and some might think it's just a slump but I, I don't know maybe it maybe it's something more than that and now all of a sudden you were supposed to rely on this guy who was supposed to be your heavy-handed guy at the back of the bullpen and he stinks. Well, he also got paid, so he's, yeah, he's, he's lamping it up right <laughs> no, now. No, all you need to do is uh, sit back and collect instead of actually like showing up and performing. He just did the the guns and walked out the <laughs> yeah, office like expect some suck. Oh man, that's it's it's tough to to do that to watch this team fall apart the way that it is right now because I fully feel that it was just a morale thing and you got to the point in the year where they were like all right well at least the ownership group is going to see how hard we worked at this point they're going to give us a little something to give us a little extra help uh you know as we make this kind of final push for the season no you got got Kyle Schwarber which is a nice little piece you got Travis Shaw back because the Brewers didn't want him anymore so he comes back and he's hit a couple of home runs yes which is great but I I mean you know you weren't expecting anything out of him I don't know We're, we're we're sitting here uh, with our thumbs up our butts, wondering what's going to happen next with this team, and I don't think it's much. Yeah, it, the, you can't have high expectations for this team at this point. No. I just, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, ownership didn't did them dirty, not going out there and making trades. Mm-hmm. Heim Bloom did them dirty. But have you ever seen a team mentally like just collapse like this? Like we didn't get any help. Like, like so no. you just you just tank. I uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's they were playing so far above where they were supposed to be that it finally came through. Maybe it's the sticky substance thing with the pitching staff. I don't know. I always kind of felt confident in the bats. It was the pitching staff that are like, where these guys are pitching out of their minds at the beginning of the year, and then all of a sudden. Now they can't, they can't do it anymore. So, know, but they're holding it together like post sticky stuff for maybe a month, month and a half, however long. It's yeah. just ever since the trade deadline, it's just these guys went. I, I don't know. They just went limp. I don't get it. 
It's a good way to put it. I think that that's a, that's a great way to put it, actually. All right, so the other things that I did want to kind of talk about with the, the Red Sox, other than, you know, just how bad they've been playing recently, which you can talk about that as much as you want, but I wanted to talk kind of about, like, what we think this team should do going forward as far as, like, or, or, or what we want to see happen, especially with the other teams around us, because what's about to happen starting tonight is the Yankees start playing a four-game series with the Athletics, which the Athletics are the team that's a game and a half back of you for the second wildcard spot, but the Yankees are three games ahead of you for that number one wildcard spot, right? So in this scenario here, you got the, the Yankees that are steamrolling everybody. They're on an 11-game winning streak. Do you want to continue to see them just roll through this athletics team and then maybe give you a little extra room in the standings so that you're, you're more comfortable with that second wildcard spot? Or do you want the athletics to kind of battle back? And, and and give you a chance to jump over the Yankees. I don't even know right now the yeah, way that they're playing. To you know? me, honestly, it's just the Sox have to win games. Yeah. That whole yeah. no matter what, someone in the standings, whether above or below you, mm-hmm. is losing the game or you know dropping back a game. It doesn't mean crap if you don't win your games. Very true. Go and win the ball games. One of the teams you need to lose will lose. I look at that as a positive. Let yeah. them beat beat each other up on the standings for a four game set. Yeah. And then if if they go, each go two and two, you go four and zero. Oh, you create distance and you get close. Very true. Very true. It's a good way to look at it. There. Uh, you should always obviously be looking to win as much as you can there. Just win your own games and not care about what other people think. But who's, who's I, next? Sorry, I don't mean to cut no, you. No, no, no. Who's, who's coming in after? So we've got we have a tough series coming up too. Is another thing that I was going to say. So on top of the fact that we might want to see, you know. It, I don't even know. Like, I guess you could have the Yankees just keep winning, and as long as you win, like you just said, then all of a sudden you're you're not too far back of them, but you're creating more ground. But anyways, the people that they have, they have tonight you're playing against the Twins, then you have a series against Cleveland, who Cleveland's been kind of a middler at this point. They're going to be, you know, it, it's going to be a step up of competition from playing the, the Texas Rangers and the Twins, obviously, because they're kind of bottom feeders, but they're not, like, they're, they're not even really fighting for a uh, playoff spot, I don't believe. Uh, yeah, they're, they're still a good eight games back of you for the second wild card spot. They're at 62 and 62. The, the Cleveland team is the Guardians, I believe, is what they want to be called by now. What's uh, the logo? It, what, what's a Guardian? I don't even, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 we should look that. I think it might actually just be like the word Guardians spelt out in that, that yeah, but you Cleveland Yeah, you writing. gotta have a mascot like right. running around doing it. Who's your Guardian guys? Just, just take the feather off the off the head and just <laughs> off the headdress. <laughs> you just have that guy and just give him a shield or something. Now he's a Guardian all of a sudden. But you have the, the Twins series and then you have the Cleveland series that we are going to face uh, them next which that is going to be uh, actually a um, an away series for us. So that's three games in Cleveland there. Then you start to end the month of August a Tampa Bay series that is four games long and in Tampa. So you're about to go from playing against Cleveland, who is a step up from the Twins, and you can barely handle the Twins right now, to then having to play the first place in the division, Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, it, you know, it, it's going to be really tough to, to. This is going to be kind of like the make or break point of the season, right? They can make some changes and change the outlook of their season during this next stretch. I mean, so what? It's good. it's the end of August right now. We've got yep. like, five weeks of baseball left. Yep. They can try to make changes, but if 
what, what do you think is going to happen? What if you if you were going to bet on it? What do you I think mean, the, I the outcome is going to be? Yeah, I don't see how they're going to put in that great of a performance against the Rays team, who has got their stuff figured out and went and fixed their problems at the trade deadline. When you you can only rely uh, rely on Chris Sale Day, as we've just kind of been talking about. Um, and it's not even that you know you you play Cleveland and then you play the four game against the Rays. It's that then you play another game series against Cleveland before you play another series against the Rays. So you're playing the Rays seven times uh, and and uh, five times to start off September, but seven seven out of your next like ten games against the Rays. Not great. And the, I wish they were meaningful. I wish they were. You know, it's the only you know, way you. I don't. I don't think they're competing for the division whatsoever. No, no, I think no, that's no. that's far. So it, at this point, it's sort of like you're just trying to tread water against against these guys in order to stay in the wild. You're going to have to do that. You still have, uh, you know, two series against the Orioles at the end of September. So that'll be games where you have to beat up on them. You're going to have to hold big win last night out of Baltimore. Oh, right? yeah, congratulations! Yeah. Yes. Great, great job. Game. It was against Shohei Otani too. Yep, Granted, yep. he had been pulled out of the game. This is a bullpen thing, but. Yeah. Hey, and don't, I, don't be counting out the Orioles. I think they're. I think you get the scores up over yeah, here. I'm yeah, pretty sure the O's are up. Yeah, yeah. They're I streaking. think that they're, uh, they're, they're. Yeah, they're streaking, right? Yeah. Um, the the uh, actually, I think they won already. They won thirteen to one today, handedly. So they they just beaten up on those uh, those poor Angels there who didn't even have Mike Trout like all year. What was wrong with that guy? But. Anyways, they I mean you're sitting there with the Red Sox team who has now given up two runs, so it is now four to two uh, in the bottom of the the fifth inning right now. And uh, if they blow this game to the twins, you're now looking at being in a position where you're falling further back in in the uh, the wild card race because uh, you know I don't even know who who the oh yeah the as I said before, athletics are playing the Yankees, so you don't know who's gonna win there, right? I don't I guess you want the Yankees to win if you keep winning games. Uh, you don't want the Athletics coming and catching you because you're now going to have to, like I just said, play Tampa Bay seven times, and I, I, I just don't see how you're going to come out with a winning record against them. Yeah, you got to try and split. I mean, if it's, if it, all you're playing for is the wild card, I mean, then you just got to try and split. I mean, I don't, I don't mind the Sox pushing for trying to be above the Yankees. I mean, right. it, it's it's a lofty it's a lofty goal considering how they're playing. For sure, but shoot for it, you know. And then if you end up having to play the wild, if you make the wild card game, I don't know. I just. I, it's almost like a when you're trying to if you're rooting for just the guys behind you to not do as well. I feel like yeah. you're just not. It's a, it's almost like a defeatist mentality kind oh, of. So uh, yeah, I'd I much rather see them try and like you know keep like compete, maybe get that home game. Well, maybe I'll find some tickets on on the side of lands yeah. down right before the game. Watch Chris Sale win a nice uh, play-in game, and then uh, they'll get beat up after that. No, he'll, he'll pitch six strong, and then they'll blow it in the, right. in the late oh innings. Oh my god! Yeah, if, I mean this is a, an extreme defeatist right now. That's how I feel right now with this Red Sox team. They've given me no reason, and I. I don't even know. I don't want to necessarily blame the players. I feel like they did a great job doing what they could because I didn't expect much out of them this year. I, obviously, and I've said it a million times, I'll say it again. It's all about the ownership group. They yeah, just, but, but, you know, I, I agree. I agree with that statement. But how how mentally weak are you if just not yeah. if you didn't get re the cavalry didn't come in and so you, you just turn up. off? Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, so would that have happened in the playoffs? Anyways, we'll see. I mean, Very true. obviously, the little fanboy in me just wants to see them go on like a, a you know a Cinderella story oh, yeah. run to end yeah. the year. But that would be great. Yeah. Well, that, highly doubtful. Exactly. Highly doubtful. All right, so we're switching it up now from the Red Sox complaining, me complaining and moaning about the Red Sox, to now we're going to see uh, or peek inside what the Celtics are still doing in this offseason. And at the beginning of the offseason or, or through a good amount of moves, I was saying that Brad can't miss. 
He was just, uh, you know, kept going, kept steamrolling through these moves, getting rid of Kemba quickly. I thought, you know, what he was able to do with some of the contracts and things like that. I, I think that we were moving this team in the right direction. And then uh, came down the pipe some interesting extensions, including the one, the newest one that has happened, which is Josh Richardson, uh, a player who the Celtics got, and I thought that he was going to fill a great need for a bridgy team that was going to be able to be a one-year contract, and then we kind of move on from that. He has now been extended, and though it's only for one more year, it makes me question kind of what's the what's the path here that we're trying to take. Because in my whole recollection of what things were going to be, it was about setting this team up so that next year we can go after another max max free agent, right? It's not it's not you know bringing all these one year deals and then just extend them a little bit so that we continue the bridgy seasons. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. See, I don't, I don't think it takes the that much off the table in terms of going for max, you know, max players. I won't call them free agents, but max players. And, right. And, you know, in next year, year after, whatever. And, and here's why: how many of these trades, or even free agency moves, like we've seen it a million times with the Celtics, it ends up technically going down as a sign and trade. So that way, you can maneuver the cap. Right. You can get people. You know, you can sign people in. That you know, you can go over the tax if someone's already a player. So to me, it's like if they they probably know they're not picking up any big names. Like this season, like before the season starts, I don't know how you could. No. So at this point, it's like, hey, let's get all this money on the books because everything will go down. Almost all free agency stuff ends up going down in some, not most, but a good portion of it. And if Brad learned anything from Mister Danny Inge, that's how you have. I mean, the guy couldn't. Yeah. That. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, what, what I do Ainge like now. about Brad Stevens yeah. is the fact that. We don't sit around like, did he win it? Did he not win it? Did he like? He, Danny tried to get blood from a stone on every single trade. Yep. Brad's just making moves. You know, it's debate. You know, you can debate good, bad, whatever. He's he's taking action, which I, I love as a as a season ticket holder. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, they are bridgy, but I I still I think they're. If they're going to let Brad ac- execute the way he is, I think we're maybe a year, two years away from something special on this team. That's fine, and I'm, I'm completely on board with that, and uh, you know, I think that we we ruined or, or got some years ruined because of, like you said, that whole mentality of blood from a stone kind of thing where it, he was asking too much when if we had just kind of gone ahead and got some of these guys in here, maybe there would have been some different outcomes. I'm not going to tell you that they would have won the championship, but maybe the team would have looked a little bit better if Danny Age wasn't really pursuing everything to the last very last second and last pick there and that seems to be the the difference between him and brad is brad's a little willing to come back from that right and he's he's like a new gm whatever you want to call it that too but he's willing to kind of his his standards are not like i need to fully force the fact that i overly won this trade here which is good um these the extensions though I, I'm interested to see, but like you said, you're kind of getting the money on the books, and if it means it's easier for him to be traded because he has an extra year or something like that, I'm also more on board with that as well. Um, so I think that there's some some different situations that could go on, but it does seem as though the sign and trade type thing will have to be a part of it. Yeah, it seems. Like, I'd hope that's the angle, you know, the direction right. they're angling for. Because I mean, believe you me, when I heard about the the smart extension, I, I mean. I've talked about this ad nauseum. It's I, I would I think you could have kept Brad as the coach, mm-hmm. changed the locker room dynamic by getting rid of Smart, yep. letting Jalen come in as the as the team's you know emotional leader. And I bet I would have liked to at least seen that shakeup. I don't mind the fact that they brought in a new coach. Uh, Brad moved up to the front office. I just think that was almost like the way I saw as like the order of events of like how you could you know kick this team in the ass to get them to to do something different yeah yeah, um, yeah but, but so that extension uh, you know it's 
you think it's tradable. It seems like a tradable deal. You can't trade him for six months because of one of the NBA's great, mm-hmm. great little rules. But no, I mean, I wasn't thrilled. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think it's the locker room still needs that shakeup. We'll see. Yeah. So I mean, obviously you got the new coach in there, so maybe he can, you know, take a little more con- command of the room, which. Last year, like you said, it seemed like Marcus Smart at times had more command of the room than Brad Stevens, or at least he was kind of changing up the dynamic enough to, to you know, uh, go a different way with it that we needed to get rid of Brad. It seemed from that role, um, but you know, I and we didn't get to hear your your take on the Marcus Smart whole situation. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that that is a tough. It's a tough extension to go through. When my thoughts were. You're going after that max player next. I, I, it felt like that got too far in the way, right? Because yeah. it's a four-year deal as opposed to like a shorter-term thing. I also think it's like you know, bite your nose to spite your face. Even if you right. want to keep that contract around to be tradable, let's mm-hmm. just say that's the that's the idea. In the meantime, you're potentially hurting me. In my opinion, at least you're hurting the locker room. Yeah. So you're just hurt. You're hurting your chances to win by having a trade. So you can go too far in that direction of hey, everyone needs to be a tradable asset. You need to, you know, you got to sort of draw that line. And I think Marcus Smart, a sign and trade at some point. I just, I want to see that locker room dynamic shake up. He's, he's not, he's a great energy guy, but he's not a, our starting point guard. I don't, right. I mean, at least he shouldn't be. Well, he's been great for the the Celtic way, and we've loved that. And the, uh, also, I just want to take a second to say because we are recording this on Thursday, but uh, happy birthday and R.I.P. to Tommy Heinsohn. But he, uh, you know, em- exemplified or, or was the the epitome of a Tommy point, Marcus Smart throughout, and he still is going to be for the next foreseeable however many years here for the team. So that's great, and we love that about Marcus Smart. No one's denying that, but. At the same time, there has to, like you said, that shakeup needs to come because we've tried the Marcus Smart thing and it, it can only get you so far, right? We've seen the peak form of that and it's great. We love that and he would be great on a championship team if you had the right pieces to kind of be above him. But now we're at a situation where it's not going to, he's not really in those cards for this next rebuilding style of this team, right? And as much as Tatum loves him or Brown and Tatum love him, this this deal here could be very much in the way of creating that next championship team for the Celtics, and that's what it really all comes down to at the end of the day. Since 2008, I think we can all say that everyone's been focused on winning that next championship because we got that taste that some of the newer Celtics fans, or it's been a long time since we've been able to taste that, we need to get back to that level. I'm sorry, Marcus Smart, I love you, I mean it. It's it's. I don't think it's going to be with him. Let's see if he can change his role. That's the only. That's the only out. And I, I forget where I heard this or who I heard this from before. But you know, maybe maybe some email gets through to him. Maybe there's a conversation like, "Hey, we're gonna sign you to this deal, but we need you to be this type of player." Right. I mean, I I, I find it offensive that after he threw a ball out of bounds to a on a pass to nobody, yeah. he yelled at the bench. <laughs> I don't care. Well, I don't care if Bozo the clown's out there like trying to flag you down. You get one of those guys who works on the runway at the airport. Right. 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 Uh, you gotta know who's on the who's know. playing, who's not. To yell at, yeah, that's that's a wild move, but that's like exactly what we're talking about when the locker room shake up. It's like, and the rest of the locker room probably cowered down to him in that moment where he was yelling at. It's like, no, it was your fault. I just, I just don't get it. I don't get it either. So it, it, you gotta, regardless of if it is working or isn't working, or you feel one way or the other, you gotta have the shake up. You just gotta have a shake up and see because we've done the whole thing. He's been here for how many years now? Seven years? Six years? He's the most tenured Celtic, right? So, so it was the first lottery pick after the after the trades. Yeah. So uh, two thousand 
14? I don't know. What, what year was that? I don't even know what year that was. Sounds but right. what, what, Whatever year it was, he's had enough time here, or if we've had enough time, and we've put different pieces around him and stuff, uh, like you said, he's gotten kind of too big personality-wise in some cases. It's time for the shakeup. It just is. All right, so keeping the conversation about the Celtics going here, we were just complaining about Marcus Smart and everything in that extension and seeing what's going to happen. And I was reading this great article um, that was written on MassLive.com talking about the whole situation, including the Josh Richardson extension and how that's going to be affecting the future for this team. That extension is uh, one year, $12.2 million, uh, for the 2022-23 season. And um, so he's getting a, like a, a little bit of a raise from what he's making this year because that's all that they can give him. And Richardson will be eligible to be dealt again in a trade on January 29th. We're talking about that whole you need to wait a little bit before you can trade these guys, especially after extensions and things like that. But lovely little rule. Lovely little rule. Yeah, you can sign and trade someone that already walked out the door. Right. It was, it was, <laughs> don't even. Get, oh my god, that stuff is just wild to me. But anyways, it's uh, so the other extension that has also happened. We talked about Marcus Smart is the new extension of Robert Williams, right? So it's the center that everybody wants to be as good as we can see. We see the potential. We all see it. Everyone sees it. I was big on him going into this season. I thought that he was one of the guys that needed to take a huge next step for this team for them to get to that next level last season. It didn't end up happening because he continued to be the injury-prone player that we know that he or we've seen and heard that he could be, uh, which is unfortunate, but... You give him a, a big contract extension now, where he's going to be making upwards of ten million a year. More he, money than that, right? He's, he's it's a, starting, I believe, at ten point seven, and then he works his way up from uh, there. I, I just, I don't, I don't do the whole slide. Right, divide, right. Divided by, yeah, no, that's years. fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, but so he's going to be making whatever it is, and yes, it could be looked at as you know, a couple of years down the road as a, a super cheap deal that you got him early in on, or it could be a lot of money tied up in a player, or I guess not a lot of money, not a ton of money, but like enough money to be tied up in a player that's not going to contribute enough to be you know worthy of that, right? So He's, As a player, Robert Williams has shown glimpses, he, and he's shown, yeah. he's shown great glimpses, he's shown great oh stretches. They're paying, hoping that those like stretches can become more consistent. Right. Show up time after time. I mean, it's tough. It's a gamble. I mean, it's it's sort of this middling deal where it's not really, it's not near the top end of the market by any stretch. No. But it's a, you know, it's far more than you know the minimum. Yeah, so, I, you I mean, can I'm, get them right now because of the injuries and stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, I didn't know that the, like, they were clamoring for it, that this is something that had to get done immediately. Right. I mean, especially because he could still prove a little bit more. Play mm-hmm. play 40 games. I don't. I doubt he's he's done 40 games. I didn't even I mean, look at it yet, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's... that's or, or just play consistently down the stretch when it really matters, because that's when he was m- most notably out. Other than the Kemba Walker situation where he couldn't play at the end of the year, too, because of back-to-backs and things like that, it was games where we were missing Robert Williams and that dynamic change, but so you've seen this type of risk, you know, most recently with big men too. Like, think about the 76ers and the deal they gave yep. Joel Embiid. So injury so prone. Hard. What's he gonna so do? Hard on a big this man. is, I mean, a much different player, but also much different contract too. So you sort of look at it like that. They're seeing this potential um, that he could rise up and deliver. I mean, I, I'd love to see him. He, the, those the block shots. I mean, I love that. He's, oh, yeah. he, he he plays real well in the middle. So. And so he did actually play technically, I guess, fifty-two games. He started thirteen last year. He played in fifty-two. Fifty-two last year? is what it says in here. Started started the thirteen games. Averaged about eighteen point nine minutes. But like I said, I think That's that what, than I thought it would I be, think yeah. that a, he got a large chunk of that earlier on in the season when you know we were starting to see all these like big moments and big stretches and things like that. And it's like this is the Robert Williams that we want and need. 
and then at the end of the year he started to get like breaking down and which happens with every player but when you're talking about big men they have a tendency to break down and not come back and he's also what the third year player like fourth yep. year so I yep. mean, that's you know you don't really want that at that young age yeah he went 32 games 29 games and then last year he had 52 games so he did finally kind of break that threshold of playing over half of the season but when you started to break down towards the end of the year and we needed him the most, it's like, uh, wh- you know, where's Robert Williams? There's also 82 games in a season. Yeah, that's, that's, so that's, it's, so uh, your best was 50. That's great. You got, what, 60% of the games at best? Right. So, uh, yeah. Do you, better. And that, be, be more available. That's him the going best like. best ability. His availability. I like that. But it, it, he, I mean, yeah, when it mattered the most, he couldn't show up. So now you're giving that player, you're getting him below market value probably because he hasn't been able to show up yet. So you're betting on that ahead of time, right? And hoping that he can be. And, and like we keep saying, we've seen flashes of it. We've seen the blocks and all these things that he can do. But is he going to be able to be consistent enough for that to matter? Because you're about to go into a season this year where I think it's completely fine to have him on a contract like that going into this next season because as much as it might hurt you, I do still think it's just a bridgy team. It it is. We're back to that. We're like a, you know, fifth or sixth seed, unfortunately, in the East right now is how I personally feel about it. Uh, And, you know, we're going to be battling there to try and get a home series for the playoffs. Uh, that's a great team for us to have a question mark like Robert Williams and throw him in there and try and get him more experience and see what happens. In the future, I'm not going to really love that if it doesn't, you know what I mean, like I quickly. Mean, what was the impetus? What was the need to go sign him? I mean, that's, right. so he's got probably what, one year left on his rookie I deal so, and then yeah. you become a restricted free agent. Yeah. Are, are the Celtics that afraid of him just blowing Blowing up like they're if you read the language if you think that they're they're trying to save themselves money right Mm -hmm. by signing him this year instead of next year they must be betting on him to have a monster year yeah you know or a a pretty good year where he's consistent playing consistently i mean that's that's sort of the reason they did it otherwise you let the player show it to you for one more year yeah and then you know you compete with other restricted free agent deals but you know i so it is they're trying to hedge but that's a what if he has a down year and you're and you're stuck in it's like what if, you know signing Chris Sale five years yes. and you know yeah now all of a sudden he and you know injured. that he's injury prone and yeah and it's it, like so what maybe if next year he comes back and he starts off and they're playing him twenty five to twenty eight minutes a game and it's and he's like getting into more of that starter role or something and then he breaks down like you said or he doesn't end up playing more than like forty five games in the year. It's like that's that experiment is is a fail and not necessary to give all this money to this guy right out the gate. Twenty five to twenty eight minutes just seems steep for him. And then I get I, you want right. you, you that's what you need. need. What's it's the average guy going for like thirty two forty? Like, I mean, yeah, usually for like forty. Starter, right? Starters around. Uh, I mean, you, you're getting into the thirties there. You should be a starter. Maybe a big man. You're averaging like twenty nine, twenty eight, something like that. But you should be getting over thirty. Yeah, I mean, if he can do that over three quarters of the season and a, a meaningful three quarters, like yeah. maybe maybe you take some time off in the middle because guys rest and and come back down the stretch fine. strong. Fine. That's fine. fine. If not, you know, let them ramp it up and just have it. You know, start in the middle of the year yeah. and play at the end, and just that's when you can have your best basketball. But be yeah, nice. he's just his stability, stamina is just it's tough with him. So to sign him to that exactly. deal, we'll see. Everyone says the NBA salary cap's going to go up and. The contracts are gonna look smaller, and you know, so maybe we won't even worry about the. We'll talk about it like the Jay Crowder contract. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. Uh, if he was productive like that consistently, at least at a Jay Crowder level, I'd be happy. Twenty-seven years for seven million a year, just <laughs> the forever contract. The forever, yeah, I like that. But once we roll around to the 2022-2023 season, and I'm going back to this Mass Live article that I was reading about, that is when the real questions start to come in because at that point, the Celtics payroll is going to have. Tatum at $30 million, 
Brown at 28.7. Horford is going to be technically 26.5 with a 14.5 guaranteed, and they could easily buy him out. So that'll be, you know, that could be washed. Stretch provision on that, too. I right. Think. You, you they can stretch, stretch out, out the bonus. And, and, so it would be 14. So you're talking about four and change. Exactly. Over, so know, they can year. make that much less. So that, that take that for what it is right now. But you got Marcus Smart at 17.2. Robert Williams at 10.7. And then you got guys that are going to be coming in as team options like Romeo Langford at 5.6. Grant Grant Williams might be a guy that needs to go at 4.3. Uh, you know, these guys are going to all add up at the end of the day. So what it's looking like right now is they're going to have 141.7 million tied up in 10 players going into that 2022-23 season. Uh, with a total guaranteed of 129.7 million if Horford is waived, but the expected salary cap is supposed to be 119 with a luxury tax line of 145. So you're already up at that luxury tax level through those 10 players right there, which means that there's going to have to be a major change, of, in my opinion, of like basically either dumping literally every contract. Or, or, or like, you can't bring back any of these young guys. I don't know what you're going to do to get another guy in here. Because they're not even going to have, like, a full mid-level exception with all of that stuff without going over the, the luxury tax, right? Which they're not going to do. So, I mean, they, they, they've done it in the past, I'd assume. I mean, they've gone into that line. but And the hard, and well, the other thing is, sorry to cut you off, the, the hard cap is 151. So, like, you can't even go that much higher past that one or that 145, which they're already basically at anyways. So. so now what you're doing, you're setting this all up. You have this whole, you know, all these contracts on the books. Mm-hmm. Now you're betting on Brad Stevens, brand new first-year GM, to be able to wheel and deal players in order to bring, if he's going to bring in more talent, yeah. he has to do it through trades, through swaps, which isn't impossible because that's what we see a lot of stuff getting done these days. Yep. Assuming a player wants to go somewhere. I mean, right. to be honest, it's still free agency, but they use trades as like you know as collateral for everything. Big fact. So yeah. you're, either, you're either gambling on the fact that you believe Brad's going to do that, or you better effing like the team that you get on the floor because I, yeah, that's, that's what you're playing. Saying, that's you're rolling man. out there. You're either kind of like backing yourself into a corner if you can't make the trades and from past GM experience with the, the Celtics, we don't, I mean like sometimes they're just not going to get those trades. Maybe Brad is going to be able to be a completely different guy than Danny Ainge, but I, you might be backing yourself into a bad corner here with some of these contracts here that you're, you're, you're betting, you're gambling on yourself, which is great. I'm, I'm happy that Brad's willing to gamble on himself. I'm, I'm happy that the ownership group is too. And maybe he's going to be able to get it done, but that's a big question mark. Yeah, I mean that's it's a good gesture from Wick, where you know it says, "Hey, you have a budget. Yep. Don't cut. Use the full budget because having the right. actual contracts can be an asset in trades, deal, yep. and whatever." So I mean, brand new GM. I think there's sort of a a committee feel to you know. I right, think Wick's right. probably a little more involved in the GM roles than he's been in the past. Yeah. Uh, this year, and that I mean that that goes. I think that's just that's logical. Yeah. Um, so and when he says, "Let's use all of this money, use all this," so I mean that's a good sign. And I, I think that they'll they'll they dip into the luxury tax if they have to. Um, but I mean, I think it's really about let's have these contracts on the books. And or, but and if you can't move them, you better like the team that yeah, you're looking at right now. I, it'll be and a great Bridgie team. Yeah, and the, the, it's going to be a consistency of Bridgie's succeed ish. Yeah. Five years going. Well, you might as well bring back Isaiah Thomas then at that point. Just make everyone happy again. Oh, wow. because is he, like, is he what, available? Yeah, I mean, it's just like uh, I don't, I don't like, I don't even know what else to say at that point. If, if we can't go for it, I, I mean, we've been clamoring for another max player in here for years. We always seem to be going after this guy or that guy. Can Brad be the one that actually does it? I don't know. We'll see. Okay, time to switch it up again from this time going from basketball over to football. Obviously, like I teased at the beginning. 
of the show. There has been some major Cam Newton situations going on, major, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you want to still call it a QB controversy or a QB battle, whatever, news updates on everything going on with that. Since the last episode, uh, if you haven't been following along with me on the street, stream every week on Twitch, twitch.com slash Zach Clapp, no big deal. Uh, but the Cam Newton situation that has happened is... He was going to get uh, apparently a a, um, a test done off campus of the facility or off the, the Patriots professional facility grounds or whatever you want to call it there. And because of that, due to the rules, apparently that is counted as a missed day, even though he went to another facility that he thought was apparently appropriate from the team rules. This is at least what the, the, the Patriots have put out there. He got the test. He tested negative. It was counted as a missed day for the NFL. He then has to sit out for five days. So there's been some interesting situations going on with COVID. It's, it seems to be coming back in, in weird places. Mike Rabel, head coach of the Titans, got it. Uh, we, we uh, Matt and I have talked about, uh, I believe, Beasley. Cole Beasley was another guy that had a situation with it, something Exposed weird with the trainer. To it, a trainer. Exposed yeah. to it, but also po- uh, tested negative. So these guys are testing negative, but then they have to sit out for games, which is terrible, and you don't want any of that going on. But... Um, you know, you're now sitting at a situation where it's obvious that Cam Newton did not get vaccinated, right? Well, that's where we're at, and that's that's the world we're living in here. And it comes at a terrible time because, obviously, last year, one of the major problems that happened was Cam Newton getting COVID. And now this year, you, you got it where he's going into a season and he's not vaccinated, and now he has an issue with this thing. And a lot of people want to be able to jump on that because they don't want Cam Newton as the quarterback anyways. So it gave uh, the door open for Mac Jones to come in, and he came in and he had like his best practice of all uh, of the, the offseason so far. He was doing things like uh, running in touchdowns and you know, grabbing his grabbing his nuts and, and jumping into the end zone and saying stuff and all this stuff. And Mac Jones was great. But now you got Cam Newton coming back, and I know that we had a little bit of a, a, an interesting conversation during the week about the whole COVID situation there, and I kind of wanted to just get it all out. What were your feelings about that whole situation? I'm, I'm not going to jump straight into COVID vaccination. I, that's, that's a topic. That's a conversation I'm willing to have, no problem. It does make but, it a little but, bit tougher. Yeah, let's but stick to my, the stuff. My, that's fair. I look at this, and I just think it's all it, – it's. It drives me effing bonkers. For is really what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah, because you have the greatest quarterback of all time. Egos let you push him out out the door. Whatever. Rank and file, right? Mm-hmm. You've got someone in here who is inconsistent. They're they're not they're not great on the football field. Their behavior is uh, it's it's unpredictable. It's subpar. He loses concentration. Takes the team con- team's concentration away. Misses time for all stuff. Behavioral stuff that is that's it's. Operating procedure, mm-hmm. shit that Bill Belichick cares about. That he, you know, his whole military background. Why are we fighting? Why is there even? Why is it such a hard push for Cam Newton? Take the and just take the vaccination stuff away. The guy is he's become his play doesn't justify the special treatment that he is getting. Right. And you wouldn't give the, the whole tie and all back. You wouldn't give the greatest of all time any wiggle room. And this is the type. It's just it drives me bonkers that. There's such a opposition to moving forward, and maybe maybe we're all maybe we're all effing wrong. Maybe Mac Jones is going to be week one starter, but stop messing with us. Just come out and say it. This, this is stupid. <laughs> I mean, I well, I mean, hey, if you listen to me, I don't think that Mac Jones is going to be the starting quarterback week one, regardless of how good he's done. 
Um, I think you had, and once again, today is Thursday, uh, so we just had practice today, and it looked like both quarterbacks, or from what I've heard, both quarterbacks were not great. Uh, I think that Cam Newton was like 4 of 6, didn't have a ton of reps in there on his first day back, and Mac Jones was like 10 of 21 with an interception or something like that. Not great, either one of them. So yeah, Mac Jones did not capitalize on No, it, so that's that. tough to see because there's other there's been other times during this preseason when it seemed like, Cam Newton opened that door and faltered, and Mac Jones didn't necessarily like just take over the job, right? He's had his great moments, and he's looked good in preseason games, and he's done these things, and he, and he had a great practice against the Giants when Cam wasn't there and everything like that. But then today when Cam comes back, and you could have just like reinserted yourself right in Cam's face in front of the whole team, and he doesn't do that either. I'm not saying that Cam Newton came out and you know won himself the job today or anything, because he certainly didn't. From what I heard, he didn't play good either. But it's, it's tough for me to want to throw this kid to the Lions, uh, you know, per se, when I don't even know if he can beat out Cam Newton right now for a starting job in the NFL. I, I, I know that it's the new kid, and, and everybody wants to see what the first-round pick can do, and that's great and everything, but I do still think that there's value in giving him a little bit of time to prepare himself more for this NFL. I just I feel that you got Cam Newton. Ring as much as I've said this before on episodes. Ring as much as you can out of Cam Newton. Run him all the time. This team is built to run and play defense. And then you you bring the Mac Jones, the McCorkle Jones effect in starting in next year is where I feel like. It's three simple questions that I'm going to ask you right now, and I didn't give you this ahead of time. But if this isn't like, believe me, very you're going to follow my train of thought real easily. Here. Go for it. Is Cam Newton the quarterback of the future for the Patriots? No. That's one. Second, are the Patriots going to win the Super Bowl this year? No, probably not. Second one. Third question, is Mac Jones the quarterback of the future? I mean, I hope so. You don't know. I don't know. You know two things. The third thing you don't know. Yeah. We're not, not going to win the Super Bowl. Give this guy the time to go try and develop, see if he can be the quarterback of the future. That's fine. I mean, if the only other reason, if you're just trying to win 9, 10, 11 games in each season, that's self-serving for Mr. Belichick, who wants to get the wins record. I mean, that's uh, let's let's not sit there and try and be middling. We just talked about the bridgy Celtics and all this. Let's, let's try and, you know, swing for the fences, be great. And, fi- I mean, find out what you have in the kid. You're not serving anyone any good by if you know you're not going to be a Super Bowl team and you know this guy's not the quarterback of the future why don't you just move forward do you see any value in winning a playoff game this year do you see like with Cam Newton do you see like do you see them having any value of getting to the playoffs whether it's 11 wins 10 wins 12 wins I would assume it's got to be at least 11 you get into the playoffs you get a good enough matchup and you win a playoff game with Cam you don't see do you see any value in that for the whole team? The we, whole team. We want to get back to uh, some level of consistency. We're never gonna go on our Super Bowl stretch like they just did with three and three. Where that's mm-hmm. never gonna happen again. We want to be competitive. We want to be interested in the long term and continue some level of consistency, of right? Yeah. We just said Cam Newton's not the quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. So why? What's the? It's great if they go to the playoffs if they win a game. Who effing cares? I <laughs> gotta try I, and build a, another. You know, I always look at the Steelers this way. They've had yeah. some off years, but you know, you put a, a great, consistent product, four out of five years, eight, eight out of ten years. Like just 
do that because I'm not naive. We're not going to go on Super Bowl runs like no. that ever again. And you it's, shouldn't it's, expect it's, that. Yeah, so put out a, a consistent product for the long term. That's fine. Why do you have to put Cam Newton out there? And you, why are you defending him beyond all the other crap that that is just attached to making him your starting quarterback right now, let alone the gameplay? I just personally feel that Cam Newton gives you the best chance to win this year with the way that this team is built. I feel as though with Mac Jones... What you could be doing is setting him back a little bit by going out there, sending him to the Lions with subpar receivers. And yes, you have a couple of safety blanket tight ends there, but if your best wide receiver that you're going to put out there is Jacoby Myers for Mac Jones, I just don't see the point in, in, in him going out there and having a bad season where they only win you know six or seven games. And I'm not saying that they wouldn't be able to win the 10 or 11 games with Mac Jones. They might be able to. But if he's going out there slinging it all over the place to wide receivers that can't handle it, and he's getting interceptions, and he's getting not even necessarily 100% because of him, because of the subpar receivers that he has around him, I think that that could be detrimental to him. I don't think that that's going to completely dismantle his whole entire career. I'm just saying I want to give him more time to be able to you know, practice being a professional, practice being in that locker room, and, and being a leader of men and not boys in college anymore. And you get that time because Cam Newton still has, in my opinion, enough to get you to a playoff game and possibly a playoff win this year. I feel like that's enough for me, and I feel like it would be huge for other players on this team, not only Mac Jones. Like, yes, Mac Jones, it's great to throw Mac Jones in there, but then it's all about Mac Jones. I do still want to keep building up the rest of this team, too, including that defense, and I think that one of the best ways to get you there is Cam Newton. That's all personal feelings, though. If you're waiting for the perfect scenario and the perfect environment and all the right, the right receivers, tight ends, and everything, you're going to be waiting forever to put a quarterback into the game. First round, he's a first-round quarterback. First-round quarterbacks don't go into ideal situations. They're Usually. always top of the drafts. They're, they're never, they never go in. I mean, Pat Mahomes, what, 13th-ish, 8th, what, somewhere in that round? Yeah. And then he, what, that wasn't still a perfect situation. They've added since they've shown like that you know, the ownership wants to spend, wants to right. put all these t- different pieces on the team. But first-round quarterbacks don't get drafted into ideal situations. you got to put the kid out there. I, don't, I think it's more detrimental... To, to show him this is how rank and file works because it's just it's a little favorites contest right now because I think on all credentials on all you know effort uh, being present all that that Mac Jones should be your starter yeah I mean hey you know I, I think that it's great that we have the kid I think that it's great that we have this ability to have this uh, you know controversy and all of that and everything I personally don't feel that he's ready to go just yet um, with what I've seen so far Bowl, who cares I, I feel that there's value in winning a playoff game. I feel that there's a lot of value in having a good season, going to the playoffs and winning. I know that a lot of people here, a lot of fans nowadays are just like, we either win or we don't. We either win or we don't. And, and it's because of the way that we've been for a long time, six Super Bowls, that you're going you're gonna to think that way, um, that it's all about championship or bust. But right now, when we're rebuilding back to the, the team that we want to have here, I think a playoff win could be really good for this team. I think Cam Newton gives you the best chance at that this year. That's just yeah, me personally. But I look at it as, you know, it's great. When the, when the Celtics go to the playoffs and there's, like, years like this year where you know, like, you know they're not going to win this, mm-hmm. win the championship, it sucks. Like, yeah, you watch it, but, like, just knowing there's inevitability to it, that's terrible. When, yes, and but you, so if you go forward with the Cam Newton Patriots, 
you know that. That's the difference between... I, I understand who doesn't want to see them go to the playoffs this year, win a game, be competitive. Mm-hmm. But when you know that there's that ceiling on it, like they're but they're never going to win a championship, then it sort of it takes the fun out of it. If you switch up the quarterback and maybe you find something great, maybe you don't, at least give us that, you know, the pro, the chance that, that you're going to get instead yeah. of going there knowing you don't have a shot in hell. There's a lot of hope. And there's a lot of, of great things to come with Mac Jones on the Patriots. I still believe that. Um, I'm, I'm just ready for us to get back to winning football games. And I think that this team is built more for him, than, uh, him being uh, Cam Newton, rather than Mac Jones. I, I, it, that's just where I'm at right now, uh, regardless of how you feel about it. And uh, I, I completely get where people are at wanting to just see what we got with this kid. At the same time, I heard those same people saying, let's see what we got in this kid, Stidham, last year, and that turned out to be, he could never get another job in the NFL ever again, as far as we know. So I mean, he's still he's still a Patriot, but I don't think a lot of people were, I mean, the, the team wanted to, you know, get everyone to clamor about him, get, like, put him in the game, like, he's like, they hyped him up a lot more during, like, that offseason, especially well, after Well, that's the, the other thing, is, like, But they never, like, like during, the, during the season, like, we knew, like, Cam was bad, but... We knew Sidham was bad. We weren't like, oh, yeah, again, like no one was clamoring for Sidham to get in the game. There were some moments sort of in like, the preseason last year, though, where Stidham was was dubbed as like the next big guy and like everything. And maybe that was just the team pumping that out. Um, and it, I mean, I thought I saw great throws with great quote unquote throws with Stidham last year too. I'm not saying I think that Mac Jones is clearly better than Stidham. By the way, is Stidham, not, is Stidham even at the facility? Is he even yeah, he was out things? there today or something with like uh like. Uh, they were having some. Lunch. I, I I know they were talking about it on the radio or something. So today was his first day. Like I think that like, he's injured, but he was like just with with his family because they're out in New York, obviously for for the Giants team practice and everything before they play that game on Sunday. I think he was back at Gillette, just like hanging out at the facility. No, they're, 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 it's weird. They're doing all of the um, uh, joint practices in Foxborough. And then going to play in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then better uh, yeah. facility probably. I'm guessing. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's it's. Uh, or or maybe it's the Jets were using the other facility or something that like be, that. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think yeah, he he was around, but I don't know. I hope I never see him again. I I hope I see a lot more of Mac Jones though. I will say that. I know as much as all of this sounds like I'm against Mac Jones, and I'm technically still against Ma- uh, Cam Newton too. I just want you know to go forward with him as the quarterback and see what we can do. I know that you don't agree with that, but that's where we're at. I just want sustained, consistent success with the possibility of a championship. I mean, you know by definition that's not Cam Newton. That's all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Are you interested in working in a professional studio environment? Whether you're a podcaster, new or old, or a musician just trying to get that professional sound, Ultrasound Production Studio is now available for podcasters, musicians, and everyone in between that are looking to get that great quality and production value that comes from working out of a professional studio. If you're interested in something like that, please visit the website at ultrasoundproductions.com or just email ultrasoundpro at yahoo.com or even call at 781-956-2426 for more information. All right, so we are on the football topic currently. We are we were just kind of talking about Mac Jones versus Cam Newton and that whole situation there. Got into it pretty good. I loved it. Uh, we're going to move on to some questions, though. Have a little bit more fun with today's episode. We got our uh, main man, Mendez, the number one fan of the podcast and show, who has given us a few questions that he wanted us to debate 
over and see what we get from uh, what, what his uh, crazy brain has come up with. So we're going to start off with this first one today uh, going with a question that is uh, actually going to start as everything in a vacuum. Would you have preferred the Patriots take Lamar Jackson back in 2018, or are you more excited with Mac Jones moving forward? Feels like a good topic to go into, as like I just said, we were just talking about Mac Jones. So I'm going to let you take this one first, and then we'll go from there. So I'm always, you know, I believe my belief is buried in the hands, part two in the bush. Mm-hmm. So you look at... I mean, Lamar Jackson's a, a you know good to potentially could be great quarterback. I mean, right. man, man won what was it? He won MVP, right? Yeah, he yeah, yeah. he's uh, ranked very low. I think this year going into uh, by a lot of places like the quarterback because I mean you know it, it, a lot of quarterbacks have advanced and he's kind of stayed where he was, I guess. So I mean, there's there's so much potential still. I mean, he's he's up and down, but you've seen you've seen flashes of greatness. You, right. You wonder if it's you know if he can bounce back again this year, and you can't just say it's oh. Everyone got tape on him. So right. They all know. So exactly. You know, but so and, and you don't know Mac Jones's ceiling, but I mean, you what you do know is that Lamar Jackson is a serviceable and, and potentially dynamic quarterback in the NFL. Hundred percent. I mean, so that's that. I mean, what was it? Was that the? Is that the year they went with Isaiah Wynn? Or was it uh, 2018 uh, would be Win. I think. I think you're right with Isaiah. Who, Wynn who went? There. Did Win go before Michelle? Uh, Michelle was Michelle 2006. It was he earlier than that. Was when was uh, I'm I'm pretty certain Win and Michelle were in the same first round together. Okay, let me. Uh, let yeah. Me so while while you're looking yeah. at that, I mean, so yeah, 2018, mean, 2018 yeah. for him for Sony Michelle and um, Isaiah. Win, I'll look it up. Hold on. I'm pretty sure it's the same year. I just don't know who was first. One was like 17. One was 30. Like that was the you know, rough rough time. But they picked right before Lamar Jackson got. I mean, right before he got taken. They had the chance. It was the last pick of the first round that right, Baltimore right, went right. with it. So the the alternative would be Isaiah Wynn, who I don't even know if he's healthy. He also got steamrolled against the the Washington football team, and the other you just shipped out for a fourth and sixth round pick. Right. So yeah, I would like Lamar Jackson over that <laughs> over that return right now. Yeah, right. So and again, so and and if you. He would at least give you a solution, give you an answer. If not for the short term, hopefully the long term. Right. But you, you know, you know, you have something you can win with there. You just got to build around him correctly and then coach around him correctly. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, you know, I hate that we uh, can't be against each other on this one here. But I feel like uh, exactly the same way. I would have taken Lamar Jackson. He's a much more proven commodity. Um, I, I'm upset that they didn't take him back then because what they could have transitioned into is what they envisioned the Cam Newton offense to be, right? He is the ultimate version of that Cam Newton being able to run, move, uh, you know, play action, whatever you got to do there. He gives you so many options, and I'm sure a guy... Except for throw the ball. Sure, I'm sure a guy like uh, McDaniels would be salivating over a player like that. I'm shocked still that they didn't do it. I'm pretty sure that it's because of the fact that they had Brady being like, hey, man... Like, you can't, like, uh, there's a sense of that that was going on. Like, you can't bring in another guy to be behind Brady right now. We're going to have another Garoppolo situation. We got Brady here for another couple of years, assumedly at that point. That never stopped him before? That's true. No, I'm just saying they, they weren't going to do it again. I don't know. Exactly. But bad drafting was what where it was at there because if you had gone with a Lamar Jackson, like you said, he's already, yes, maybe um, teams have started to get the film on him, so maybe he's come back from an, that MVP caliber, but he's still very serviceable, and the things that you could do with him, not to say that uh, Baltimore isn't using him perfectly, which I think that they do a good job with him, 
I think that, uh, you know, the, the Patriots would have been able to use him great. You would have ushered in a new era of running the ball, and yes, he could throw it a little bit. Maybe he'd get better with the Patriots, but running the ball, playing defense, that kind of thing there. So I would have much rather a, a Lamar Jackson on, on this team. There. Didn't McDaniels get vetoed on that? Wasn't Because, I mean, this is the man that drafted Tim Tebow. So Definitely he wants been a... vetoed and, and worthy of being vetoed, yeah, with that kind of a pick. But I, I don't know. Um yeah, maybe he wanted this guy this time, and and uh, instead they went with Isaiah. Went twenty third overall. Poor guy. And for for the rest of his life, it, they'll if as long as unless he's in charge, like he can make the GM decisions. Right. Every, no matter what, you can say the right thing. And, yeah. Right. He's McDaniel's. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What are you like, thinking? Eye roll. Yeah. All right. Get let you, let you spin that. your wheels. Like, yeah. Make recommendations. You took Debo. You took Debo, guy. Uh, no, I and and I've always said that I I would hope that he's next in line after Belichick to to just like that should be his next coaching job because. I don't know. It seems like he's ruined everything around every other area with the, with McDaniel's and everything like that. But bring him in. I, I would assume. I hope it's not Patricia. I hope that we're not going to go to Patricia. By the way, I know we're kind of getting off topic here, but I hope that I we mean, don't go in that direction. All this, it's all feels like retreads. I mean, is there? It, and don't let it be a son. Yeah. Just, oh, I mean, just, oh boy. Just mo- when when just move the organization. When yeah. It's all sons. <laughs> oh man. Are we, we're starting to. And I'm going even further down this little rabbit hole we're going on right now. But sons in the in the league is so weird. To me now, at that like we're we're getting to an age where like people having sons coming close to the league. Even Tom Brady, everybody's been talking about Tom Brady's son recently because he was the ball boy and everything. It's like, is it going to be the Tom Brady's son era after he's gone and everything? We're gonna have more Brady's. Yeah, it's how did, so how did weird. The, how did so was it Rob Ryan who was the father of Rex and Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, what, or is Rob the brother? No, um, it might be a junior. And I oh, yeah, know. That's gonna drive me. Nuts. Anyways, I don't. I don't know how they came up and like if they both got their start together right. with their old man. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, if they did, I wonder. I'm trying to. I, this is probably what 20, 30 years ago. Right. Right. Where right. they looked like I look at the you know the Belichick coaches, the kids as like as a joke. I mean, I don't think it seriously. Imagine though if they turn that, into the next. Well, like, that's what I know. I mean, that's yeah. what I mean. I wonder right. if both the the you know the Ryan's were looked at the same way as like oh yeah dad kids whatever and then went on to be hysterical if not. Half decent coaches. Hey, I mean, Rex had a few good years with those giant, uh, those Jets teams there. So I mean, he definitely did some good stuff. And um, but yeah, that that's a hell of a rabbit hole we just got into talking about kids in the NFL, and that's a weird thing. But yes, at the end of the day, I think we'd both rather Lamar Jackson uh, had been drafted by the Patriots back in 2018, right? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to say. Pretty fair to say, just because I mean, Mac Jones, you know, you have the uh, the 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 whole future ahead of you. But we don't know what that's going to be. What kind of future is that going to be? Who knows? It could, as Patriots fans right now, when we kind of only have this one option, where we're expecting and hoping for the best. But he could still be like a middle of the road quarterback, right? We've seen what the top four or five quarterbacks that were taken in this draft play in the preseason and play pretty well. You have Trey Lance. You have um, uh, oh geez, who's the other kid? You, you know that uh, Lawrence is going to be interesting to watch. Trey Lance. Who's the other guy? Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Eh. Um, but it's the, the Justin ba- Fields. Justin Fields, thank you. Um, of, of all those guys, and then you throw Mac Jones in there, it's like we always hear these these draft classes where it's like, oh, these top five quarterbacks, let's see what they got, and then three of them are busts. So is it could end up being something like that. I'm not saying that it will be. You never know what's going to happen with Mac Jones. So take the proven commodity that we, we saw in Lamar Jackson. It proved to be right. <laughs> and like, you know, why, why didn't we do that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they should be drafting the next big quarterback until they get it right. I mean, that's and the thing is, if you had Lamar Jackson now, you wouldn't be burning first draft right. picks on the course. future one. But you would have hit at least well enough. I mean, you could build someone like that. It's just, 
you know, I, I think is you got to be fair. You know, you, you sort of lower the standards for the Patriots. Like, you're not going to get Tom Brady. You're not going to rebuild that dynasty. Right, right, right. But you know, work put, on the new next thing. Why couldn't Lamar Jackson have been like a scat back slash like work him into some different formations or something goofy like that during that year when when Brady was there, and then and then we give it to give him the. Keys. I don't know. I guess Josh McDaniels would be the brain behind it, and, I think <laughs> and just, like, you let you let him go on, on his own, and it's like. Sure. Again, you put out Debo. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like that's all they have to say every time. That's a funny one. Okay, moving on. Question number two. We just had that question about Lamar Jackson versus Mac Jones. Pretty easy. We were on the same side there. Now we're going to get a little bit further into Patriots lore, and uh, you know this is always a good conversation to starter around uh, groups of friends around New England when talking about the Patriots. Um, and a lot of the time, those conversations boil down to who's more important, right? Who is more important to certain situations throughout the eras or, or the, the decades of dominance of the Patriots there, the dynasty. Uh, and so this next question that we got here was, who was more important to that Patriots dynasty, Edelman or Gronkowski? So uh, we might differ on this. I, I sort of look at it in a couple of different ways, right? Gronk is the most unique player. He's you know one of a kind, one of a generation talent. Like, Changed the never way seen, things were never done. Seen, yeah, I mean you saw like the you know the Jimmy Grams, like you know the yeah. basketball players converted who didn't yep. really block that well. But Tony you know, Gonzalez obviously was a of you know, yeah, but Gronk's generation. the best of the era. Like that's right. like he owns that you know for to be like that great at pass catching, that mm-hmm. great at blocking. You know just being everything. Just being, I love the personality. Like I you know <laughs> I, I know you soured on him at the, the goofy. Oh, we'll get so, into that. So there's that. I mean there's that whole piece of it, like, and I think that's you know. So I do pick Gronk overall. If you're talking about sustain, you know, winning games constantly, mm-hmm. you know, sustained success, you know, you can do that over Julian Edelman. Like he's first of all, he's Wes Welker 2.0, which just by definition shows you that he's not as uniquely important. Right. However, Ooh. when you talk about individual plays or individual games in terms of how they like, think about that catch he made against the Falcons, oh man, the, yeah. the, when he he won the MVP of the friggin' of yep. the Rams Super Bowl, yep, yep. he's had better individual games and individual moments right. than Gronk. I mean, but over the sustained success and like putting up you know ridiculous stats and helping win more games, yeah, definitely Gronk. But I think there's more you know highlight reel you know oh, yeah. emotional moments as a Patriot fan. That Edelman has contributed to than Gronkowski. I mean, one of the best playoff performers that we've ever seen in New England, right? In Edelman, there, you know, he's uh, statistically wise. He was up there just like you know, dominating uh, playoff runs and things like that. But yes, at the end of the day, it's got to be Gronkowski. I think still at the at the end of the day, like we said, he kind of changed the the way that things worked in the NFL. You bring in these bigger tight ends. Yes, there were a few tight ends that were dominant in their day, but now it seems like more and more you're trying to go to that six seven six eight crazy big guy who can still catch and block and do everything. And that's because of Gronk. At the end of the day, you you know that's. That's who he is. That's who he was. And as much as I did hate him, towards the end especially, for the way that things ended and the way that he messed around with the Patriots and, you know, oh, I want to go be a wrestler. Oh, you know, everything hurts. Oh, wait, I found CBD. It's fine. I don't, I, I mean, all that stuff aside, he was the most important thing, I think, of the two guys between Edelman and Gronk. 
he became the safety blanket for uh, Brady. He made the biggest catch in the Rams Super Bowl. He, you know, all of these different things happened where it ended up being Gronk. It was like if you can just get Gronk on the field, even for a few snaps, a few possessions here or there, he's going to completely change the way that the game is going on there. So it has to be Gronk. Well, he did it in this past Super Bowl, right? I mean, even just he was only getting three, four, five catches a game yeah. uh, during the whole season and even in the playoffs. But in the Super Bowl, you know, connection right off the bat in the end zone. They, Hit him a couple times on the opening drive. I mean, he's just he can be he can be explosive. He can still be the old guy he needs to in small spurts. Yeah. Um. You know, and uh, I mean, I, I like I love Gronk and Jules. I mean, having them both, uh, the personalities were great. I mean, it's, luckily we don't have I, to see, really. I pick. don't. I don't have a. An, I'm not really soured on Gronk's departure the way that you are. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go play on a, on a better team with the best quarterback and better weather, and the easiest way to do that was the way that he did it. He didn't want to play for Bill anymore. Yeah. Pretty clear, uh, but to the, and that's well and fine. But to but to screw over the team in that free agency scenario where he waited a week into free agency before saying I'm retired, quote unquote, only to just immediately come back as soon as possible because we knew that that was the move the whole time. Gronk, that's fine, man. Like you didn't want to play for uh, for Bill anymore. I get it. Don't make the fans suffer by not going out and being able to go and get a tight end in that situation where Tom needed one. Still, your your main man, Tom Brady, needed another tight end. There were available tight ends out there for you to go get. You wait a week into free agency; they're all gone now. And then he's like, ah, "I'm retiring actually," because we were waiting to have hopefully Gronkowski back. That's the part where I extremely soured on him, and that's where all the other stuff and you know dancing when you're injured and all this other crazy stuff like. You can put that aside. At the end of the day, you kind of screwed over the team at the last very minute when you could have just been like, guys, I'm going to retire. Go and get your other tight end. That's that's that's, that's fair. That's fair. That's all I'm saying with him. So um, your, your issue is with more with how, how he retired as opposed to how he unretired and like wanted to go to the Bucks. Right. No, it, it seemed like it was kind of like an, an F you to Bill, which is fine, but the way that he did it also hurt us as fans because we didn't get to see as good of a Tom Brady last performance because you couldn't get him that extra weapon. He ends up going with like old retired, half retired players. I think he had what Ben Watson that year or something. They brought back in in 2018. Like he didn't have anybody really? that, that late. I, I, fi- I forget. Yeah, yeah, he was for a long time. But I, I like they didn't end up going out and getting him anybody. And I know I'm tr- I'm blanking on who there was that I'm thinking of that they could have gone after. And uh, I'm not even went saying to the, went to the Saints. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I know this. we're we're thinking about the same guy, but. I'm not even saying that you 100% would have got him, but we would have at least been in the running. And then and then you just have him retire. So it's literally, the, the hatred all comes from that moment. Jared and, Cook, right? Jared Cook, thank you. Yes, yeah. exactly. You could have gone out and got a Jared Cook for Tom Brady in that situation there. He ends up going down and playing with Drew Brees and killing it down there instead. Like, you could have had that for Tom Brady in that year, but Gronk, because he wanted to get one more thing against Belichick... It's like, dude, uh, dude. I don't, I don't know if it was, it was a vindictive thing that he, the way he did it. So I mean, it was a stupid thing. So it's just him. Would, and that put it, would you put that past? Him? I'm, no, I, I thought exactly. his whole team would at least, you know, have the sense, and maybe it's a whole team hated it, but it just felt like it, it ended up hurting the fans more than Belichick. So if it was, maybe it wasn't a spiteful thing against Belichick, but if it was, then you just ended up hurting all of us instead. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really see spite off of Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, I just, see just, I just idiotic, no. just dumb. Dumb, dumb person. It, it wouldn't be the first <laughs> dumb decision that's ever been made by an athlete. No, for sure not. For sure not. But uh, you know, it's it, it's it's good to have these uh, you know Gronk or Edelman, even though we we got to see both of them and that whole thing there. But the other the other question that I have that I want to kind of go through really quickly here, and the last one was who deserves the most blame for the 2007 Super Bowl loss? 
He said Belichick gets uh, blamed for the 2017 Super Bowl loss uh, a lot, but you hardly ever hear anyone blame him or Brady for the 07 Super Bowl. So who do you blame more for the 07 Super Bowl? So you've you've kicked the first two to me, and I've taken this. this I will take first. it first. That's I'll, fine. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let it kick back to you because I'll play I'll play off you a little bit because you know I could go a couple different ways with this, and I really um, is, I mean it was a devastating yeah night. But I'll, I mean, I'll let you run with it first. It's 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 tough. It was a devastating night. I personally, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but I was watching with not only just no Patriots fans, but just straight up uh, Patriots haters or Giants fans only. It was a horrible predicament I got myself into, and I'm sitting there like wishing you know death upon myself at that moment because I just didn't want to be there anymore. But anyways, besides my own downfalls there. What the real big downfall was, unfortunately, at the end of the day, was not being able to score enough points. Uh, as much as I want to be able to hate on that, that uh, you know, the, the defense for not being able to stop uh, Plaxico Burris in the in the corner of the end zone there, that where they knew everyone knew where the ball was going and they got it there. And yes, there was miracle plays that were made before that, but I still break it down to that one play where it's like you know they're just going to throw the fade to Plaxico Burris in the end zone, and they did it right in your face, and it was just so horrible. I still have to put it on not being able to score enough points after being the most dominant offensive team that anyone's ever seen in the league that year, and you ca- and you kind of. I mean, you kind of threw an egg. You kind of, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to put it all on Brady necessarily, but the offense as a whole needed to step up there. I guess I put it more technically. If you're going like Brady is the offense and Belichick is the defense, I put it more on the offense. So technically, I guess I put it on Brady, but I don't put it on Brady, if you know what I mean. I mean, the Giants only scored 17 points. They did. This was the, a Patriots team that was putting up with 35 a game. Easily. And they were favored by double digits oh in that God. Super Bowl. And they oh. hardly scored double digits oh, in the that's game. that's what I'm saying. You have to put it on the offense. You, you have, have to. to. I mean, they, they he got, they, it was Coughlin, they game plan for Their him. front Her four was insane. They, it was almost like the, the last regular season game yeah. like gave them enough of a, like a mm-hmm. book to go against them and figure it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at it, right? They opened up with what the, like a whole first quarter uh like they took their first drive of the game was the entire first quarter pretty yeah, much yeah so, I mean, and then they you know they game plan for it properly they kept brady you know to 14 points yep and they you know the miracle plays shouldn't have mattered you know they should right, have had a bigger right. cushion yeah so but i mean a lot of like they didn't the offense didn't play to what it needed to play and it took miracle scenarios behind that but that's happened. that's why that's what the, happens the miracle of the perfect season didn't happen exactly and that's that's what makes it so hard is it could just come down to one catch or one play uh but yeah i mean coughlin and that i think they called it like the race car package or something those the the front four that they had on their defense was insane obviously strahan and then um, I, I, the guy who blew his hand off there, I forget his JPP? name. JPP? JPP. He, yeah, he was on the 2012 was, one. Oh, maybe he wasn't it? on that one. But they had an insane yeah, front four. Case, man. Yeah, he had an insa- they had an insane front four on that Giants defense that just got to Brady constantly. And obviously that, that was the case. If you get to Brady uh, quickly, if you get to any quarterback quickly, it doesn't matter. But if you got to Brady in those scenarios quickly enough, you were going to be able to stop him. It was, that just get, it was getting to him in the middle with only four guys rushing. Right. That was the big thing. I mean, Brady got better as years went on, too. Like, like moving uh, up and down moving. in the pocket. Like, Dumping. being able to, like, 
shake the you know shake the guys get the he only uh, got smarter get the D linemen behind him right but he was I remember him being cocky that year I remember him like talking about didn't he say something specifically about the Super Bowl like uh, about we better put up more like we're gonna put up X amount of points I or think he like was that. I mean he you've ne- you you never like, you got a real piece of humble pie that day yeah Between, after that and then tearing the ACL yeah you never heard him talk like that ever no, again man no, no, no. he got very, real understated and just let us play do the talking yeah because that's what you should do and that was like long hair Brady back then right like I didn't even, yeah like I didn't even like that that version of no I just uh, it, but yeah he I think he was a little cocky rightfully so when you're going out there with Randy Moss and just touch touchdown pass after touchdown pass you have over fifty or what was it fifty touchdowns. Uh, and 22 of them to Randy Moss on that season, that's an insane season. Yeah, you don't need to have that much fun for 16, 20 weeks. You win, you buckle, you buckle down, you do it, you'll right. have fun the rest of your life yeah. on that. That's so, what, that. I've heard that that game still haunts those dudes. Oh, like, sure. They have nightmares about oh that Oh, my stuff God. Still. Well, if you think about it, if you had just lost the game to the Giants, maybe, uh, and then you go into it with a better attitude or something like that and not... Uh, all that mounted pressure or something, maybe you could have beat the Giants. It wouldn't have been regarded as such a big upset, though. It mm. wouldn't have, and it wouldn't have been as special because then you take the perfect season of off course. the table. Of course, I mean, I, I don't think it's. It doesn't mean it. Yeah, it's another Super Bowl win, but the fact, fact that it could have been the perfect season. That's way different than just saying like, oh, well, if they went fifteen and one and won the Super Bowl, right? There's not as much. It's just another no. one of what, then it would have been another, eight. Ch- another championship. But I mean, which, which uh, I feel like we've had this conversation maybe before. But to end these questions off here, which which Super Bowl would you give up to get that perfect season, or would you give multiple? Like, I don't even. I I, I don't know. I never know how to answer that. Having one. the perfect season is such a trump card. Like, if you had four Super Bowls, but one of them's a perfect season, you're easily the best quarterback of all time. You're the best coach. You're the best... every Like, everything is the best of all time. Yeah, at you, that can, point. you can't do better. You, you can't. You can't. can't do better. And I love the... Obviously, six rings is amazing, and seven for Tom Brady is amazing and everything like that, but if I feel like any of them would take right then and there, win that Super Bowl, immaculate season, and everything is just perfect, obviously. But Nightmares, man. Nightmares. But, I, I mean, I would probably give up, like, uh, you know, the 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 4 Super Bowl or, or the 3 Super Bowl, one of those two. That was, give them both up. I don't care. Give them both up for that Eagles one. And <laughs> so those would have been the ones that you probably think about giving up for something like that. But, man. What, yes, what younger too. I didn't. I mean, I probably appreciated it more back then. Quite honestly, I was yeah. such a such a sports buff as a as a young kid. But right. I don't know, older, having more fun, like out and about, like with friends, drinking, doing whatever for yeah. the back three. I think I was with you for. Oh, definitely yeah. at least two of them. Oh, right? yeah. Definitely. Not the Rams. Actually, I know I was in Boulder, Colorado for, for the Rams one. But you know was, what? To any of our friends out there listening, the Falcons Super Bowl was our best performance because we stayed and everyone else left. Yeah, but what, three like three people left out of 24 <laughs> in, uh, in a whole room. Everyone left at halftime. Matt and I were left at the end of the game, though. I'll I tell had, you that. I had nowhere else to go. <laughs> All right. All right, we're going to be finishing up the conversation here in a little bit, but I just kind of wanted to talk uh, briefly about the fact that Matt and I got our fantasy football draft coming up uh, this weekend here. Kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about that. I do want to kind of get into more of the fantasy football talk as we continue this show going forward. So during the regular season, uh, just trying to put out as much content as possible. I think that I'm going to talk a little bit about fantasy football stuff. I don't know what I'm going to go into yet or if I'm going to bring anyone in or if Matt's going to want to be involved in that or anything. 
Uh, but I wanted to just kind of like sprinkle in some fantasy football talk. I know everyone is at least, uh, you know, around this time of year, a lot of guys are getting into their fantasy football drafts, and there's a lot of different things out there that people do. Uh, for our league, we, we do an in-person draft. This year we're going to actually like a kind of like a it's like a bowling alley slash like superplex arcade type deal or something like that where we're going to do it in person in a room and everything and i know that a lot of people do different styles there um but i just kind of wanted to you know talk to matt about like what what have you always enjoyed or what have you heard that you've liked about like different fantasy football drafts and the way things are kind of handled i mean i think so much of it's just it all those leagues that it's just, you know, your cousins, your sister, your families, right. and they're all doing, like, an online draft at, like, a Tuesday at 9 o'clock, whatever yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. and someone's not there, someone gets auto-drafted, join those leagues, because then you can go rake. Every, that's that's, <laughs> that's the so like I, I've tried to sneak into my girlfriend's friggin' family league for like <laughs> twenty years at this point. It feels yeah, I'll like. pay you. You're yeah, just like, trying to act all like, coy. Oh, you guys want to like, like up the up the ante this year? Yeah, yeah we should do like, I don't know, like a hundred bucks. No, right? our, our league our league's competitive. I, yeah. I think we've got probably you know every year there's usually nine, ten at least quality. Like, and I say quality, they're all good guys. Oh yeah. But like people that are like engaged in it. Like oh, yeah. sometimes it's just because someone just doesn't care. Sometimes it'll be. Because their team sucks, so they, they you know manicure their roster less. Right. But for the most part, everyone's in there. Everyone gives a damn. Oh, People yeah. draft pretty well. I make sure you can't walk over. So <laughs> you know, take the take the knowledge you learned from our league. Go. That's why I'm just you know planting seeds in all these other little small exactly. leagues. No, I win in these satellite good. tournaments. That's such a good way of putting it, though. It's like you go and you take your knowledge from your competitive leagues and you sprinkle them into your like little friend or or family leagues or something that's for a little bit of money, and you will probably rake. I agree with that. Yeah, um, ethically, you know, morally. Yeah. Yeah, but who's thinking about ethics when we're talking fantasy football? I mean, uh, that's uh, in all honesty. But um, I I think that, yeah, we have a great league. I I make sure of it. I'm probably too psychotic about it to the point where I want everyone to be as involved as possible. I'm sure I'm not the only one uh, even listening to this uh, show right now that is similar to that. Some people get pretty crazy about their fantasy football and their fantasy sports in general. Um, But, you know, I think that uh, uh, putting out a little bit of information from our side of things will be a little bit fun, right? I think that, you know, we could, I'm not going to sit here and say that we're experts or anything, but who is really an expert, right, at the end of the day? It's all educated guesses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, we can definitely throw out, I mean, do you do a lot of daily fantasy? I try and do some of the the daily fantasy stuff. I'll get on, like, the DraftKings every once in a while and try and do some lineups. But mostly I am just the the year-long stuff, and then obviously I do the gambling on the on the other side of things which that's another thing that I wanted to kind of talk about here with everything which was the uh, the gambling side of things because um, it's not going to be really for the radio show at all uh, it's going to actually be pretty much strictly on the podcast episode so if you guys are going to be looking for the podcast it'll be anywhere they're found just search the claptrap on Spotify on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to look for them, uh, you can find it there. And what we're going to start doing is a little competition, which I think will make it a little bit more fun, between me and four of uh, four of my buddies here, Matt included. Um, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know I got a buddy by the name of Cam who loves to throw in his gambling takes. We've had also number one fan Mendez who is going to be throwing his takes around as well. So we're going to do a little competition where we pick up, we pick five picks every week. Give them out. 
best win-loss record at the end of the year is going to win a little bit of money, which is going to be fun for us as well. And it just gets us to dive a little deeper into the sports, I think, and and make it so that we're a little bit more knowledgeable to give to you guys all this information, right? So that's what I kind of love about that side of things. Yeah, and if you know if we make bad decisions, then it's just to, to oh, yeah. make fun of you us. You can and rake we, on us and yeah, exactly. whatever. It's, is there is there a reason we're only doing five people? I mean, it's, let's up the ante a little I'm bit. sure we could, and that's just, just the, uh, the first, uh, you know, a thought of doing it and um, just having a little fun with it and, and and yeah like you just said some of us are going to go on losing streaks or win streaks or whatever so you'll fade or follow us depending on how we're doing there I'm going to be posting everything on Instagram and on Twitter there at Zach Clap at the Clap Trap so follow along with that and you will get all of our uh, little tips and tricks that we've been using on gambling whether that's working for us or not right you could find out that one of us is a big idiot when it comes to certain sports I've certainly been there and had my weeks uh, where you're just like, oh, he's about to start betting on this team a lot. Let's fade him or something. So I think it's good from all different aspects. There. Five big idiots. Yeah, could be five big idiots there. Um, I, I know that Cam fancies himself thinking that he's a great gambler. I know he's not. Uh, but <laughs> Let the record show. Let the record show. The records are all out there. That's why I like it, too. We got a couple of buddies that are always talking about how they're really good. They have good knowledge, things like that on different things. I want to put it out there. You know, nothing better than to put it down on paper and show the results for everything, right? I'm into it. So I think it'll be fun there. So we got our fantasy football draft coming up this weekend. I'm probably going to talk about it more on the next show next week. Uh, and then we're going to be looking to do the, the gambling side of things as the podcast continues through the NFL season and things like that. So stay tuned to that. But uh, this episode, like I said, is going to be up on wherever podcasts are found. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, you know, Spotify, all these different places there. So if you missed any part of the show and you want to follow along, we had a really great conversation today. I uh, just want to say thank you again to Matt for, for uh, jumping on the podcast again uh, and on the show here. So thank you for tuning or coming on in, hanging yeah. out in my humble abode. Oh, always a pleasure. Uh, maybe afterwards we can turn the ACs and fans back on, get this it place is, cool. I'm, I'm totally comfortable. I'm, I'm comfortable. Right. But my God, I'm sweating. It's brutally hot. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm ready for more of football weather. Let's cool it down a little bit. Get me into the 70s, somewhere around there. I'll be perfectly fine. Give me a nice pumpkin beer, and that'll shut me up, put me in front of the TV. But uh, that'll do it for another episode here, and uh, I will be back again next week, and we will talk more about all this crazy stuff. So we'll see you guys later. Bye.